Okay guys, this is Jasmine here again for part two. I kind of went over my time for the first podcast and kind of got cut off guys. So I wanted to pick up from here and I'll edit and slice um, the audio and whatnot and do what I got to do. Um, but what I'll do, I'll have two separate podcasts. Want to be a part one and want to be a part two. Um, maybe the part two I'll share at a later date or whatnot. Um, and we'll go from there or whatnot. Or maybe I'll share it at the same time. Don't know. Depends on how editing works, right? But let me not get on my tangent because that's probably why I got cut off last time. <laughs> Let's get to it. So where we left off at, guys, because this this topic, you know, for what it's worth, it may not be the most interesting to some, but it's very interesting to me because this information and knowledge is important for us to know um, because it's impacting so many people within our communities and we aren't even aware. And like the statistics I read in part one, you know, they were so high. And like I said earlier, disproportionately affecting black women and minority women overall uh, or whatnot. And those are just the people that are reporting, right? Can you even think of the people who are not reporting? So those statistics are even, you have to give a little bit of room when you get any type of statistic because that's under the guise that these are the people who report it. There's a ton of people who do not report for whatever reasons. There's so many barriers that come into place of women, not women or men, right? Not seeking help or whatnot, or not using their voice, you know, and it's nothing to say like they're a bad person. They're not doing what they're supposed to do is sometimes there's so many barriers in their way of advocating for themselves. Right. And more basic is a survivor instinct, right? At the end of the day, these people have to survive. Right. And if they're afraid and they feel like something may happen to them out of fear, sometimes it prevents them from using their voices to advocate for help. And sometimes when you do advocate for help, there are limited resources out there, you guys, if you do the research, um, these shelters and the resources are very depleted or um, they're very stretched and there's not a lot out there for everyone or whatnot. And there's sometimes that keeps women in, or, and men in these relationships. So kind of guys, I want to pick up on the power and control will and discuss it with you guys because that's really important to me. So I, like I said earlier, I am not afraid to use my voice and use my experiences to shed light on this issues that is impacting our communities because it's prevalent and it's out there. And sometimes, you know, people may write it off as something else, but this is a very important issue um, that's facing, like I said in early in the statistic, which I'm sure is more than that, at least 10 million people are impacted by this. Um, I'm pretty sure it's more than that, right? And people who are aware of these things, that's the more important piece who are aware who are experiencing this or have been in contact with somebody who's aware? Because there's a ton of people who've experienced this, whether it be in a, a different community or, you know, a different community where this is normalized, you know, and they don't even see it as an issue, right? That's why it's so important for me to cover this topic. So, guys, I want to talk about the power and control wheel. Um, let's see, where do we go, y'all? So, domestic violence is a pattern of behavior, as we said before, to use the game and maintain power and control. At the hotline, which is this website that I'm actually reading from, is a very useful resource. Um, there's a they provide a reference, which is this will power and control will developed by the Domestic Abuse Intervention Project. Um, the will serves as a diagram of taxes that an abusive partner uses to keep their victims in a relationship. Remember that power and control is very important to note here. So we keep their victims in the relationship to maintain that power and control. The inside of the will is made up of subtle continual behaviors over time, while the outer ring represents physical and sexual violence. Abusive actions like those depicted in this outer ring often reinforce regular use of other more subtle methods found in their inner ring. So let's just go over a few of those things. And guys, I'm not going to do too much and get cut off again. 
<laughs> still learning this whole podcasting thing in my time. And I'm actually surprised that I had this much material to cover, which I figured it would be a bigger topic. And now hindsight, I'm glad I didn't ask anyone to be on this podcast or anyone was available to do it because this is team a lot. Anywho, so the will is divided into different sections and these are different, as I said before, um, the will is a diagram of tactics that abusive partner uses to keep their victims in relationship. So the first one says, and this in not necessarily in any order, I'm just reading from the diagram. So the use of intimidation, making the person afraid by using looks, action, or gestures, smashing things, destroying person's property, abusing pets, and displaying weapons, using intimidation, using emotional abuse. I think this is one that's often neglected, right? Um, and this is a very impactful one that goes under the radar. Emotional abuse is putting a person down, making them feel bad about themselves, calling them names and making them think they're crazy, playing mind games and humiliating them and making them feel guilty. If I reflect back on my previous abusive relationship, um, this was heavily there, right? It was my first relationship, didn't know anything about um, relationship whatsoever. I was very naive. You know, I didn't know any signs of a healthy relationship versus a toxic relationship. I just knew the things that stood out like, yeah, if someone hits you, that's not okay, right? If someone cheats on you, that's not okay. Um, if someone lies to you, they violate your trust. I knew the very broad, broad general stuff that you need to know. So one of the things that was very heavy in my abusive relationship was the use of emotional abuse. And that's why I'm always encouraging, if you can do the work on yourself, you know, go to therapy. If you have access to therapy, there's sliding skills, right? There's therapists who's willing to work for little to nothing to help communities or people who don't have access to resources. They have sliding skills. You know, guys, do your research. I'm not saying that it's going to be perfect. It's going to be easy, but you can find someone if you can afford it, if you can budget it. You know, there's so many different programs out there, you guys, who provide free therapy services. You know, even at my current employer, we have free therapy services um, for victims or people who have been impacted by um, the pandemic. So there's like, it's a grant funded program. There's so much out there, guys, just do your research to get some help, right? To process, you know, some traumas that you've had or traumas that you, that may be showing up in your relationships and impacting you. And I say all that to say, because for myself personally, um, the emotional abuse was very big for me um, in that relationship, because honestly, like I said before, I'd never been in a relationship before. And, you know, I just had this need for connection with someone, right. It didn't necessarily have to be a romantic relationship. Um, I just wanted the connection to feel connected to someone. Cause I never really, I won't say I never, I, I'll just be honest. I don't feel like in my life at that moment, I had ever experienced like a, you know, like a nurturing, um, um, you know, um, validating a, a relationship that validated me as a person, right? And I was looking for validation through a relationship, which, you know, hindsight's doing to you not supposed to look for that, right? But I was looking for that. I just wanted to feel nourished. I wanted to feel love. I wanted to feel cared for, right? And out of desperation for that, there were a lot of things I probably, you know, overlooked or didn't even know, right? And saw as healthy. For example, the emotional abuse um, came after the person attempted to isolate, use isolation, right? Controlling what a person does, who a person sees and talks to, what the person reads, where the person goes, limit a person's outside involvement, using jealousy to justify actions. I remember I was just talking to the guy, right? As we say, talking to, just getting to know him. And I was like, okay, we're just going to be friends or whatnot, like take things slow. And next thing you know, I think two days later, it's just like, well, 
I want to be in a relationship, you know, or I don't want anything with you. And it was an ultimatum there. And you're trying to isolate me from other people and other, um, like even experiences. And that's not healthy. You, you know, someone's giving you an ultimatum after knowing them after two dates, but I didn't know. Right. And then I was like, well, I kind of like this. I kind of want to be in a relationship with someone, meaning like not, it can be a friend. Right. But I was like, well, I don't want to lose this person. We kind of have fun together. Um, okay, I'll try this relationship thing out. What's the worst that can hurt? You know, and there were people around me that kept um, trying to encourage me to date this person because honestly, and that's going back to, you know, making decisions from your core base because I don't want anything to do with this person, but I made a decision based off of other people and saying like, oh, Jasmine, you should date this person, blah, yada, yada, this person's so smart. You know, I was like, well, no, I kind of don't want to date this person. This person is not what I'm looking for. They kind of have some of the red flags I've already identified, Right. But I did not pay attention to that part of myself. You know, I allow insecurity and fear to dictate the type of relationship that I had. And anytime you make a um, decision out of insecurity and fear, it usually does not end well. Trust me. Um, so using isolation. Also, in my own abusive relationship with my ex, <laughs> there was a lot of jealousy um, or whatnot. I had friends when I, you know, moved to that college town and we used to do stuff all together. Next thing you know, it's an issue. You know, you're asking me to spend all this time with you and abandon these friends that I've talked to since I've been here who have supported me. And naturally I did. I thought that was just something normal that people did in relationships, right? Cut off most of their support, which I still interact with some of my friends, but it was very minimal, right? So the next one says, um, minimize denying and blaming. Making light of the abuse and not taking the person's concern about it very seriously. Saying the abuse didn't happen, shifting responsibility for abuse behavior and saying the person caused it. So when my abuser started to abuse me, um, one thing that often that he would do would be like something would happen, right? And the next day he would act as if nothing happened at all, right? He would do all these things um, to maintain control and antagonize me. The next day he pretended nothing happened whatsoever and would come and talk to me like I was, like the other thing said with the emotional abuse, like you're crazy, right? Yeah, like you're crazy or something. I remember this guy broke my hand. Um, and then the next day he was talking to me like nothing happened. Like he didn't just break my hand. And he made me believe that you know, some kind of way this was my fault and it was not my fault at all. And then even I remember going to school the next day, I even had to go to the doctor because my hand was pretty messed up. They knew, right? They're taught to recognize the signs, but I kept lying. I even told them, oh, you know, I got in a fight. You know, I got drunk and got in a fight. And they were telling me, well, the way your hand is fractured, that is not of someone who's been in a fight. The way your hand is fractured, it looks like someone hurt you. And I said, no, that's not it. You know, I just punched incorrectly. When in actuality, that was very truthful. But I was afraid at the time and I didn't say anything because I didn't have anyone in that town, right? He had isolated me from all my friends. My family lived down south. So I had no one. So I said, well, if I say this, where am I going to go? He had even got me to the point that I moved out of my home and yet again, isolation moved into his home and convinced me. And that's more so with the financial um, manipulation, how we talked about earlier, financial control. He convinced me to move in with him, which was silly to me. Um, but at the time it just made sense. Right. I was like, wow, these dorms are extremely expensive. You know, um, he's saying, I don't have to pay anything and you know, I can save some money. And as a college, I'm like, yeah, I'll save money. He act like as if, you know, 
He was being very charismatic, right? Very gentleman, like, like, oh, come move in. You have to pay anything. I don't want you to worry. I don't want you to have stress. But in actuality, that was a means to control me because as soon as I moved in, his story changed. And next thing you know, it was, you know, I'm not contributing, right? Even though it, I only moved in and let go of my uh, housing arrangement because he said that he wanted me to be able to save money. But that was an attempt to control me. And I didn't know at the time, but just something like that. Uh, what not. Um, anywho. So another thing that it says, using children, making a person feel guilty about children, using the children to relay messages, using visitations to harass, threatening to take care of children away. Now the person, this didn't impact me because I didn't have a child at the time. And ooh, thankfully my child is not with him. And the person uses children, but this person, and even I didn't know then too, like I say, a bunch of naivety and that's why knowledge is so important. So using children, this person had a child um, or still has a child or whatnot. And the person would often, like I would see them interact with their child's mother. Um, and the person would always use like um, visitation to harass the person or, you know, threats involving the child or whatnot to assert power and control over this person. And was saying that this person had all kinds of mental health issues and stuff like that. And I hate when people weaponize mental health. That person was doing that. So using children as a tactic, I mean, I'm saying all this stuff now, guys, I didn't know this when I was in that relationship, um, was using that as a way to exert power and control over his child's mother. Um, using male privilege, treating the person like a servant, making all the big decisions, acting like the master of the castle, being the one who defines men and women's roles. I remember quite often in that relationship, that person that I was with would often question my womanhood, right? And am I woman enough or something like that? Or because I didn't do this, you know, he was questioning my, um, worth in that relationship or my value in that relationship because I didn't do those sort of things. There's things I didn't know. Okay. You the economic abuse. I kind of kind of touched on that with the financial, but it says preventing the person from getting or keeping a job, making an ask for money, giving her an allowance, taking her money. Oh God, child. That happened to not letting the person know or have access to the family income. This person Guys, and I say this now, hindsight of 2020, with all the awareness that I have, I, hmm, this person convinced me that, you know, and it's back to the financial manipulation, that it was my responsibility to take care of the both of us, right? He even maxed out my credit card. And I'm just like, now I'm like, okay, yikes, which I don't know then, but hey, it happens, right? Well, all we can do is learn and grow. So the next one says using coercion and threats, making and carrying out threats to do something to hurt her. For example, threatening to leave her. This happened to me as well. This person had actually broke up with me and it was really hard for me to process. And then he, the person came back into my life again. Threatening to leave her, uh, to commit suicide. This person would do this all the time. Every time I would threaten to leave or I would say I was going to leave, the person would threaten to kill himself, um, to report her to welfare, making her drop charges or making her do illegal things. <coughs> I remember, you know, when, okay, yeah, definitely making her do illegal things. Okay, we're not going to spend too much time on that. Um, using intimidation, making her afraid by using looks, action, gesture, smashing things, destroying her property, abusing pets, displaying weapons. Okay, guys, that's just, that's a summary of the will. You guys, you can look for more information if you like. 
Um, I just wanted to cover that to make sure I covered it because you guys, it's getting out of kind of late and I got to get up and go to work in the morning. Got to be my best self. So I just want to make sure I cover that. So the last thing before I go, I wanted to go over with you guys ways to support victims. Um, because it can be hard to support a victim because sometimes we just don't know. Well, I know because, you know, of course, I have privileged information now. Um, but I want you guys to be able to understand how to support a victim. I guess I should go over why people abuse as well. Um, I mean, ultimately, it's power and control. It could have been from basic ex uh, prior experiences that they've had itself. Sometimes people who are abusive have been abused themselves, right? And they've never processed their trauma or done the work to heal from that situation. And instead, they perpetrate against other people. And that happens quite often, right? And then two... And often it's a tactic of dismantling equality in relationships in order to make their partner feel less valuable or undermine respect. And abuse is a learned behavior. That's the main thing I want to get for you guys, you guys to get from this overall, why people abuse. It's just an, a learned behavior. Some people have experienced abuse themselves and perpetrate, not that it's okay. But there's a lot of people who also, who've experienced abuse who also do not perpetrate. You know, often the difference is sometimes people go and do the work and that doesn't negate it. You know, sometimes, hell, somebody would do the work, they still can perpetrate. Um, and it's important to recognize that these issues do not cause um, domestic violence because just because you've experienced abuse doesn't mean that you're going to abuse someone else. While other factors, including drug or alcohol, can escalate abuse um, and make it even worse. I know sometimes we see movies, a person's like always getting drunk, right? Which is not always the case, but um, that's, I mean, what the, what's the saying? Well, there's smoke, there's fire. There's a reason why that that's depicted in the media. And just so you guys know, anybody can be a victim of abuse, anybody can be a perpetrator, like we said before. Regardless of circumstances, no one ever deserves to be abused. Okay, guys. But beyond the physical risk of leaving an abusive relationship, there are countless other reasons why people stay in a relationship. I hinted that out on that earlier. I mean, uh, check my time, y'all. I don't want to run out like last time. Uh, just, uh, survivors deserve to be supporting their decision-making and empowered to reclaim control over their own lives, no matter the situation. All right. Right. And guys, I'll do another podcast on healthy relationships because another thing that's very important, like I said, I was so naive, didn't really know anything about relationships, is being able. I know we talk about the red flags and all the negative stuff, but we have to be able to highlight the important stuff in healthy relationships and how for you, even if you're a person who's experienced some trauma, how to show up positively in a relationship and have a fulfilling, healthy relationship. So here's this, and this is where we're going to wrap it up. It says tips for intervening if you witness domestic violence. More than 12 million people in the U.S. are affected by domestic violence each year. So if you witness domestic violence public, it's important to take into account your own safety as well as survivors. There is safety in numbers, so gathering a group of people to stand nearby and either verbally or physically intervene is one option. Contacting authorities, you may not even you might even record the incident with your phone to pass to law enforcement if the survivor chooses to press charges. That's very important, guys, because without... A victim, there's no crime. So if the, and that's another thing that happens. It's not saying that, you know, they're choosing to be abused. Sometimes there's a lot of implications that come along with um, reporting abuse. Keep in mind, however, that some of ours choose not to take legal action for whatever it may be. If hearing suspicious noises from your neighbors, one option is to speak with the surviving person the next day. You might greet them with a question like, hey, I heard some stuff last night. Are you okay? You guys, and another thing that's important, make sure they're in a safe, secure place before you ask them these questions. Make sure you guys are both safe, right?
Make sure you're documenting the experiences. Um, okay. Um, and remember, we cannot save them and we cannot fix the situation. At the end of the day, um, sometimes there's a psychological component that comes along with abuse. And honestly, the person has to be willing, as I've said before, even legally, there's limited stuff that the law can do depending on the severity of the, um, the crime. Um, if there's no identified victim, there's no report and usually legal, um, there's no legal enforcement because of that, right? There's no case. There's no victim. There's no case. All right. And then two, if you do, so if you do choose to help and support a victim, make sure they have a safety plan. If they're planning to leave, make sure that they have a safety plan. Um, or they're, they're away. They're aware of a route and, you know, they have a plan of how they're going to leave because worst thing you can do, you don't have a plan and you don't know what to do. And, you know, you end up right back with the abuser, right? And sometimes there can be ramifications from that. You're leaving and returning and the abuse can escalate. But all that being said, it's still important to have hope. On average, it takes domestic violence, violence survivors seven times to leave the relationship for good. So physically and emotionally safe for you. Try to continue offering support in any way that you can. You guys, I'm not going to lie. I know this was a little bit uh, more serious, dry content, but that's because this is very important information. If you make it through, awesome. Kudos for you, A+. Um, but even if you have to take breaks, guys, and come back and listen to it, and even if you don't listen to me, please check out the hotline.org. They have a ton of resources. YouTube, there's a YouTube can teach you how to do everything. Look that up online and see what there's out there. Guys, there's so many resources. Increase your analysis and awareness. Because, and also I want you to guys to challenge the notion that people are just choosing to stay. There's so many barriers. There could be a financial component um, that goes along with being a survivor. There's sometimes there's not access to services out there because services are very depleted. You know, shelters are jam-packed. They're over capacity. Um, there's not a lot out there, right? Between homeless populations and, you know, people who've experienced abuse. And, you know, it makes it even more compacting, compact for whatever it's, it's more even, um, I guess, even harder when there's um, other family members involved, right? It can be harder to uh, accommodate all of these people. And you think about, it, like I said, to here is 12 million, pe 12, million, 12 million people a year. So as it says before, just try to be a support. I know the main thing that was important for me um, was that I did have a friend who never, even though, you know, we had some instances that happened because of the abuse, right? Because this person also survived themselves. So they knew the signs before I knew the signs. And that's why it's so important to be aware. You know, even though I didn't take anything she said seriously, because a lot of people, like they do to most victims, you know, they question the validity of their claims. Um, but one thing I appreciate is that she never gave up on me. My family, to a certain extent, they didn't. Um, but and I think they didn't really have that much awareness themselves initially. And, you know, it's more so too, we've all been conditioned that, oh, you know, it's a choice, right? Um, and it was all this other stuff, um, all this conflict. Um, but they, they were there for me for the most part. But emotionally, she was there for me the most. Um, she never gave up on me. She never questioned anything that I did. She just constantly reminded me um, the hey, Jasmine, you can always come home. My, I mean, my family did too. You can always come home. We'll do what we got to do to get you home. You can always come home. But she would have conversations with me every other day. And at the end of those conversations, she would always tell me, you know, it's safe to come home. You know, and I think so often survivors 
are victims, they do not leave because they don't feel safe. They don't feel like they have anywhere to go because this person, um, this person really makes them believe that they have no one and they isolate you potentially, you know, maybe from your friends and your family. And sometimes you don't have anyone, it seems. However, it's so important to constantly remind the victim that, or survivor, right? That, um, you know, you can, you know, we'll always support you. We'll always be here for you because it's reassuring to them. You know, and sometimes it helps you have master the courage and the strength to leave. For me, that's what it really took for was just constant reassurance that, hey, you can come home. Everything's going to be okay. We'll figure it out. Don't worry. Don't worry. You know, you have us. Even though we've had issues in the past based off of this relationship, you know, things are said um, as a result of, you know, them also being impacted by this relationship as well and not being aware of everything that was going on. Right. Because I hid it from them. Right. Because like I said, there's a sense of shame in experiencing that. One of the things that really stuck out, you know, that was the most helpful for me for my support is just, you know, you know, this is positive self-regard. No matter what happened, they always told me, you know, you can always come home. So, guys, that's why I want to wrap up there. Um, like I said, it's pretty late. Um, I just wanted to get through all the information um, and go from there. Um, I really appreciate you guys who stuck out there and hung in there and listened to some of the information. Like I said, go to the hotline.org. They have a ton of resources. And also, guys, I kind of forgot. I kind of closed out that other resource with the other statistic. But anywho, this one is a more important website. It has way, 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 way more information out there. Even safety planning, um, how to support others, starting a conversation, um, and why, you know, just more information about why people abuse and ways to get involved. Um, even talks about abuse in a culture context as well. So, um, you know, with patriarchy and all that fun stuff. Anyways, guys, I kind of just want to wrap it up here and go from there because um, I really wanted to cover this topic. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me. Again, that was Therapeutic Convo with Jasmine. And I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.